Good evening, everyone. This is Barry Gray in New York at the studios of WOR. For the next 25 minutes, as is our custom on Friday nights, we'll wander around with a guest chosen from the, well, tonight from the promotional world, and later on we hope one of the comedy kings of U.S. show business. As you've probably uh, ascertained by this time, if you've been listening for the last six or seven weeks, this uh, Friday night edition of the Sunday Night Coffee Clutch is just a shortened version. On Sundays, we gather here at Cracker Box number 8 from midnight until 2 in the morning Eastern Standard Time. And as you probably have also discovered, this was a very brief and shortened series because I must fly with the birds in a few days to the uh, sunny climes of Florida. And so it uh, behooves us to announce at this time that this is the end of the Friday night series with but two more Sunday night shows to go. We'll talk about that more at the end of the stanza. My guest tonight is, uh, in his field, one of the most important guys that works with typewriter, pen, quill, and ink. He comes from the field of motion pictures. He's the head of promotion and publicity and exploitation for a brand new company within the industry, a fledgling. However, a very strong and uh, ever stronger fledgling, the Eagle Lion Picture Company. And I would like to have you meet Mr. Leon Brandt. Thank you very much, Barry. It's really a pleasure to be here with you, and I appreciate your asking me down here. I, I, I do, however, resent the speed with which I had to gulp my dinner tonight, but the pleasure does overcome that. It's nice to be down here and to chat with you. Thank you very much. Leon, I'd like to talk first, if I may, about a serious situation that is in all the pages of the trade papers and affects uh, most of the people within show business the business of the Screen Publicist Guild. I understand that there is a, uh, a group known as the SPG that is having some difficulty in organizing itself, and uh, I would like to hear about it. I'd like to hear both sides of the story because, frankly, I'm unaware as to what's going on. Well, Barry, frankly, you, you put me in, in, in somewhat of a spot. I'll try, to, I'll try to explain what I do know about the controversy right now. Uh, that is the little I do know. I do know that... A lot of these boys and girls in the industry who are screen publicists are presently in the middle of quite a battle with the various screen companies trying to be recognized by these companies, or I should say trying to have their union recognized by these companies. Let, let me ask you first, is the SPG CIO or AFL? The SPG in the east is CIO. I see. The SPG on the coast is AFL. I see. Go ahead. Uh, they, they, they cover people doing the same types of work, but they have different union affiliations. Mm -hmm. uh, the SPG uh, boys on the coast, who were associated with the AFL, have long since won their battle. Mm -hmm. And they've long since been recognized and, and uh, have won uh, the uh, recognition that the people here in the East are presently trying to win. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well... Uh, I think that, uh, from what I understand of the SPG controversy right now, most of the uh, action centers around uh, working conditions more so than money. In other words, they want to feel secure in their jobs. And uh, uh, I think that they're presently negotiating with a great many companies who I hope will uh, recognize them. 
I understand that the uh, the, the Publicist Guild at uh, right now, most of the publicists on Broadway are uh, generally free agents. Those people that that uh, work alone and generally round up a few clients and try and charge them X dollars per week. And uh, they have been disorganized up to this point. What brought about the organ, the feel for organization? I'm curious about that. Well, the people you referred to, for the most part, are freelance press agents, Barry. I mean, they they are not uh, uh, company employees. Mm -hmm. uh, the people, uh, the the screen publicists who are presently engaged in these negotiations are all employees of various. Uh, big screen companies, big film companies, I should say. Why would they want to organize? Do they feel that they're underpaid? Well, uh, they, uh, as I said, I don't think that it is the money that they're interested so much in as it is the uh, uh, the feeling of uh, of, uh, of economic freedom and uh, the feeling that their jobs are protected against what they presently consider injustices. Now, uh, speaking for Eagle Lion Films. Uh, I'm happy to say that we are uh, the only company in the business mm -hmm. that has uh, steadfastly uh, given the Screen Publicist Guild a contract. Mm -hmm. uh, the other companies, uh, since uh, a year ago last September, have had no existing contract with the Screen Publicist Guild. I understand that United Artists just recently signed a new contract with them. Our relations with the union and with our employees has always been uh, of a very friendly and a very understanding nature. It's quite obvious your pictures are, too, and that's, that brings up the uh, another point that I'd like to talk about briefly, or should we invite our other guest in and then get back to the picture? Well, I'd love, to, I'd, love, I'd love to have your other guest come in. He's a, he's a very interesting fellow, possibly a lot more interesting and amusing than I am. Uh, suppose you go ahead and introduce him, and then I'll add a couple of words to it. I want oh, a very this big is really a, This is really a job. I mean, we, we have, very, we have with us tonight, folks, uh, uh, a, a fellow who is uh, undoubtedly a comedian. <laughs> Everybody accepts him as a comedian. Very He's funny. very funny at times. That's good. I'm really a ham tonight. You're a boy, but he, ham. But yeah, he, 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 is, he is a great guy, and I've always enjoyed him very much, and wherever he has played, I've come to see him. I'm the one with his mother. Yes, thank you. I'm very, very happy. I'm very, Mr. very happy Let to uh, to introduce to you, Mr. <coughs> Milton Burrell. Thank you. What is your name, sir? Leon this is Brand. Leon Brandt. Oh, the promotional director. Yes. No, Eagle Lion Pictures. Oh, Eagle Lion Pictures. For me, Briny Ford. I wanted to. I wanted to take <laughs> just thirty seconds and tell you how this came about. Number one, our association, Milton's and myself, goes back about ten or twelve years. I was walking down Broadway one night in New York. And I looked up. I was uh, brand new in the town. Uh, uh, Johnny come lately of 20 minutes. You don't tell the same story again, Barry. Well, the it's same never been story. told in New York. Yes, it has been told so many times that I would like to hear it again. I'd well, like anyway, to hear it. anyway, there was a place operating where the Bond Clothing Stores is currently today called the International Casino. It is now a Niagara Falls, if you've been there. It's yes, and there's a train running. running. water all over Broadway tonight. Right. And uh, I walked upstairs and I introduced myself. It's going to be myself. clever dialogue, I assure you. I want you folks not to leave your radio. Uh, I introduced myself to the uh, now king of comedy, and he has been a firm, steadfast friend of mine for 11 or 12 years. And uh, So what's with the money on me? No, I just want to say, I just want to, what money? <laughs> I, just, I just want to say that for uh, there are a few people, you know, that resent Milton's great success, and it is a great and colossal success. 
And as I said a couple of days Don't ago... Don't speak about Fred Allen. People, people that attack Milton Berle for this or that or the other thing always remind me of mosquitoes bothering an elephant because the guy is tremendous in stature. All right, now you got your introduction. Thank Go you very ahead. much, Barry uh, Clyde. Yeah. Uh, nothing. I was listening to you speak with Mr. Grant just now about the... Uh, uh, publicity and uh, public relations and public The SPG, the Screen Publicist Guild. A very, very wonderful guild, incidentally. Mm. Now, what was the whole discussion about? I would like to get on a square table with some rounds. A rounds with some squares. All I was talking about, Milton, I was asking Leon what the story was because I had read in somebody's column the other day that there was a big fight going on for recognition. The SPG want to be recognized by the motion picture companies and they're they're going round and round. Yeah. Can you add to that? Well, uh, I, uh, how do you feel, Leon? <laughs> well, I feel that they're going round and round, just as Barry says. Do you think they should be recognized? I do, I do. Well, I do. Uh, I was listening just to the tail end of the conversation, Barry, and I think that uh, for all the great work that they've done and continue to do and all the painstaking uh, jobs that they put in in publicizing pictures and actors, mm -hmm. that they should be recognized. Let me ask you this and change the subject for a couple of yes. seconds. I would like to talk seriously. Then. I would like to talk seriously with you. I would like to know, number one, how does your picture look and what's the title of it? The name of the picture is always leave them laughing, and it is not an Eagle Lion picture. It is a Warner Brothers picture. I'm sorry to say that, Mr. Brand. One of the minor companies. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, John L. Lewis. Go ahead. The miners. Now, let's not talk. <clears throat> Go ahead, Milton. I could say you'd better get a room tonight after the No, I, I happen to be suffering from a very bad cold. I got it standing in the draft waiting for the boss to let me into the office. That's clever. Nothing. That's clever. Who writes for you? Yeah, you. <laughs> Milton, We're not what about the picture? The picture, I'm not going to discuss it too much. I'm just going to say that I was out there for um, three three months. We made the picture. It took us about eight and a half, nine weeks to make the picture and the preparation for it. And it looks like a, a pretty funny picture. Uh-huh. Yeah, my mother thinks so, at least. She's a great woman. Yes, yeah, well, she your... can't be in every theater where the picture plays. <laughs> She'll try. She on... might have to buy her a bicycle. On your return, Milton, you went on the uh, TV show for, for the sponsors, Texaco, yeah. and you've been on, what, three weeks? This is going on the fifth week. Going on the fifth, the third, the third and the fourth. Just like the, the 85th. Of, I know what you mean. They were wrapped generally by the critics. How do you feel about that? Does it does it zing you a little when you've you've uh, uh, been at the peak and uh, they so, sort of expect you to keep delivering 900 percent shows every time? Well, let me tell you something. This um, this uh, TV business, Barry, being that you're discussing things from the theatrical standpoint and in the entertainment world, while we're on television, I think this would be very appropriate time right now to tell you that TV. A television is possibly ten times harder to do every week than a radio program. Sure. Number one is the preparation for it. And uh, I just read an article in uh, Earl Wilson's column that uh, Owen J. Olson and Johnson will uh, will uh, stop uh, doing television uh, November. Uh, let me see, October 27th, because it's too strenuous and too hard to get a show every week. The uh, surplus and the amount of material that one eats up over a period of 39 weeks is equivalent to, I'd say, 20 to 30 years of basic entertainment and material that you have gathered in the period of your life mm. as an actor or a comedian or a writer. 
You see, the one thing that's going to be the big trouble with television is the manpower, the physical manpower, uh, meaning uh, you need too much strength uh, to put on a show every week, providing uh, you do it the way we're doing it, or I do it, and I sort of triple threat, and I produce and direct, mm-hmm. and I'm in it. And gathering the material and getting writers to write it and editing it and putting it on, there's a strenuous job. Uh, you see, we, uh, right now, television, I do not think, is prepared to uh, to uh, spend monies on uh, such greats as Rodgers and Hammerstein and mm. Billy Roses and mm. great producers and great writers and great scenario writers and motion picture directors and everything and if they were prepared to pay them I don't know if these greats these big manpowers these great mental wizards would accept it because it's too tough after all uh, we will take Joe Brown or Joe Frank or anybody I've just taken an anonymous name who is a great writer or a great producer and he can make Financially, he can make just as much money doing one picture a year. Why should he strain himself physically to do a television show every week? Now, uh, I will tell you one thing, that in television, you have got to just try to hit an average over a period of the year in an overall figure of doing an average percentage of the type of a show Either it's going to be good as an average. Uh, you cannot be great every week. It was proven by the great DeMag when Joe was sick. Mm-hmm. He lost 12 pounds. He had virus. And you know what happened during the season. Sure. That does not make Mr. DiMaggio a has-been. Right. That makes him uh, a man that is just a human being and is not a human robot or well, his, a dy- his, dynamo. His absence proves his greatness. Well, his absence proves his greatness, but we cannot, you cannot get three for five every time you get to the bat. Right. You cannot hit the right field fences. And you got, you got to just look at the end of the year where, where, where Joe wound up with 346. Well, let me ask you. In the amount of games that he was in. Don't you think that the critics then are being unfair and not explaining this? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain, I'll explain it this way. Uh, you know, when you go into a restaurant, Barry, and order a dinner, you only know what you pay for and what you're going to eat and what you see on the plate and on the platter. When you go to see a picture, either it be Eagle Lion or Warner's or Paramount, and you see a picture and you pay your admission, you only know what you see and what you should appreciate. Now, uh, I cannot... Uh, convict any critics, columnists, or anything for supposedly tearing down the initial show that we did. But I will say that if, in all fairness, if they took everything into consideration, uh, and uh, they are in the arts and science world, in in newspapers and critics, that uh, they should uh, understand it a little closer and a little, get into it a little thoroughly, you know, much more than they've gotten into it. Now, our first show that we did, which we had Duke Ellington and 
We ran into quite a lot of troubles, but we cannot go to Chicago and Des Moines and Houston, Detroit and Cincinnati and here in this metropolis and tell each person that has a television set what went wrong before the show. Right. We only know, and they only know what they see. Our first show, uh, we had quite a few difficulties, which I would rather not discuss. I will tell you one, that uh, the network, our station, we held up our rehearsals and everything for two complete hours. So we sat there for two hours doing nothing when we should have been rehearsing to make it more perfected. Now, uh, on account of a strike, a certain electrician strike, this was not explained. Uh, it, but it's very peculiar. If you do one not-so-good show, that is, of course, as the saying goes, the penalty of being on top or so-called leadership. If you could do one fair show against one great show, you're as good as the last thing you do. And uh, when, when DiMaggio, I have to go back to him because he's a great example, and he was sick during the season, and he came back just before the season ended, not during the season, uh, not during the series, and he hit four home runs. Uh, they said, my goodness, Joe DiMaggio, do you see what? Well, this man has never lost his talent. We can never, uh, you know, we, we can never forget that this man is still a great man. Uh, I'm not putting myself in, into, no, the, I, into I, the lines I, of greats. I'm just talking about human beings and, and, and personalities that are just as human as Mr. John Doe and that are not infallible. It's best summed up, Milton, and your summation has been wonderful, but I'd like to add another word. It's best summed up by something that's been said here a couple of times. Performers are human beings. And even the I don't think that the critics and newspaper people think that performers are human beings. Now, I was out in California doing these past three months making a picture, Barry. Mm. I read a lot about the fabulous things that happen to Hollywood stars <clears throat> where someone goes out on a binge and gets tired and this and that. Well, I am not going to say that they're right, but I'm not going to condemn them. The strenuous work that one goes through in being at the studio at 6.15 in the morning and working to 7 o'clock at night and cannot stand up on their feet, for a point of relaxation, uh, it's just like a man that is, 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 a, is a dig ditcher or whomever he may be, or he's in the bakery business, and he works hard, he wants to go out and relax. But they do not allow a man that belongs to the art and sciences to relax. It's very true. They do not do it. I wonder if I can ask you a question. I just want to say one word, Leon, and then please I want you to get in. It's all brought about, I think, Milton, by the fact that too much talk has been made about Hollywood being a land of five and ten thousand dollars a week, and not too much about what they go through to get the five and ten thousand and the horrible fatality rate. I'm not speaking of death now. I'm speaking of the fatality rate of stars as they slide from public favor one by one, dozens of them. Yes, Leon, you were going to say. I, I wanted to ask Milton a question, something that, that I've been thinking of for a long time with regard to television, though, of course, my first love is the motion pictures. I, I have a feeling that the powers that be in television are prostituting great players like Milton and other fine comedians and actors 
by expecting them to do a show every week. I, I don't think that it's possible, and I think that those fellows would be much smarter and would preserve the talent that they have on television if they didn't expect that of them. Well, uh, that's all right, Leon, but uh, I want you to tell me whom expects this, who. Well, I mean, I presume that that's the way the, the contract public? the contract is written with the oh, you mean with, with, with the client the, with or the sponsor? client and sponsor and the sponsor. Yeah, but we must go. We must always say that week. the public be pleased. If the public demands, we try to do that without jeopardizing our own position and our our future. Now, mm, we do receive thousands of letters every week saying that we hear that you're going to do a television show twice a month. Please, Milton, or dear Uncle Milton from Junior, who is five years old, don't do it. We want to see every week. Well, we must take uh, the amount of percentages and and uh, the masses and put that together. Milton, I want to say one thing, though, and I want to go back to the days of the beginnings of Amos and Andy. This, is, this all lies in the education of the public to expect certain things. When Amos and Andy first started, if I if I my history books are correct, they were doing a once a week show. Then it and I believe it was a, not the Amos and Andy show specifically, but the serial shows of that time were once a week and an hour in length. Then someone got the bright idea of making them a half hour a day, five times a week, and then they went to fifteen minutes a day. That was originally they started out in Chicago with Sam and Henry. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about Amos, Amos and Andy. No, I'm, I'm talking about the trend. You remember the Merton Marge era, right, where suddenly right. the five-a-week, 15-minute strip became big-time and listenable radio. Now, the what what Leon is getting at is this: the Texaco people or any other sponsors that attempt to put on a weekly TV show are educating the public to expect a weekly performance by a great star. And he is saying that in that education, they're doing a wrong thing. They should educate them in the beginning to expect it only once a month. Well, let me explain something. When I first went on the on television a year ago last March, a year ago last May, mm. uh, the big tough main stem and all the critics and newspaper men and all those that are supposedly in the know thought, well, now... Mr. B will be on for two weeks, three weeks, then he will run out of material and he will run out of gimmicks to do and things to say and acts to introduce. Then on the fourth week, they said uh, he won't last another one. Well, we finished out 39 weeks. Now, there's always the problem of coming up of what's new. Yeah. Now this is is his answer. This this is his problem uh, or his question, Mr. Brandt's question about. Should we do it every week, and should the audience expect it from us every week? But mostly all, should a sponsor like Texco expect us to do it every week? Uh, I'll tell you, I find it that I, I find that I can do it every week, though it is a challenge. You see, I coined a phrase, and I said that a television show of the Texaco type, Star Theater, is like a Broadway show without going to New Haven. We only have one chance. Right. Now, to kinescope a show, or to put it on a kinescope, we can do like they do on transcriptions, and that is to shoot an hour and a half of entertainment, put it on film, then cut it out, piece it together, yeah. and the audience will not know the difference. I do say one thing, that kinescoping, which we didn't bring up the story about, which I want to speak about, will not be as important to the television viewer as a live show. Mm. 
from a variety standpoint. Because if, if, uh, if the audience that are watching our shows can visualize that the thing that they're seeing is happening at the present, at the time that they're it seeing it, it adds to a great psychological feeling. Do you agree with that? Of course. Well, it, it's like, well, it's it's like this broadcast. It would not have uh, any impact if whatsoever it was on transcription. if it were on uh, transcription. I do have something that is on transcription for about 40 oh, seconds. Be I don't know. Hello, operator. You've got Mr. and Mrs. New York on the phone? Put them on. Hello, this is Bert Parks with a quick quiz and some fast answers. Now tell me, how many votes were cast in this year's Miss Rheingold contest? How many? Oh, I'm sorry. Almost seven million votes have been counted already. It's now the second largest election in the USA. You voted for who? Oh, she's awfully cute. Wait and see. But now for the big question. Can you tell me who said this? My beer is Rheingold, the dry beer. What? You just said that? Right. You said it. I said it. Everybody's saying it. Yes, more people than ever are saying, my beer is Rheingold, the dry beer. It's the largest selling beer in town. Because New Yorkers know how beer should taste. They know that Rheingold is New York's one and only extra dry beer. That every glass of Rheingold is always as perfect as the one before. Now this is Burt Parks with all the questions. And for the right answer to the perfect beer, say Rheingold extra dry. That, that's yeah. exactly what I You understand what I, I mean? do? I do, I, mean, I do. If that, that's the only way I figure it. And, and you don't really feel, Milton, that uh, that if you only did 12 monthly shows a year, that the public would become educated to this fact and probably appreciate more. Well, I'll tell you, you when, when you say become educated, they are now educated. I, I am in a position now that they are educated to a show every week. And if I'm able to do it physically and mentally, I'm going to do it. Do you feel that you'll continue to be able? Yes, I will. In other words, you are contradicting the, the statements of some of the... Uh, not so well wishers on Broadway. Oh, I wouldn't say they're not so well wishers. They, uh, I wouldn't put them in that category. Let's call them front runners. They're riding with a winning guy. They're always on the BW bandwagon. That's very good, <laughs> Milton. I want to thank you very much. Pleasure, Barry, to be with you. And Mr. Barron, it's good to see you. Thanks for inviting me here. And lots of good luck. My pleasure. And uh, I'll see you down south, huh? Yeah. Are you going to work in Miami? No, this I'm year? not. No, I'm not going to. You're just going to, I'm going to take a few weeks off. Just I, go down and be with you. I thank you. Good night. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank Milton Burrow, ladies and gentlemen. And, Leon, we've got 35 seconds. Now, what about the picture business? Well, there wasn't much to say about the picture business. You can tell it all in 35 business. seconds. I can tell you all about the picture business in 35 seconds and Milton's new picture, which I've heard about. I understand it's a pretty good picture, Milton. I hear it's very good. I hear Please. that your comedy is very excellent in the picture. Leon, I want to thank you very much for coming in, and I do hope that we didn't work at cross-purposes with each other tonight. It was a pleasure to discuss with Milton Burrell and Leon Brandt of Eagle Lion Motion Pictures the business of TV and a little of the motion picture business. I'll see you guys and gals on Sunday night at midnight. This is Barry Gray and the Mutual Broadcasting System. Good night, Barry. Following station identification, you'll hear Bill Henry on the news.